living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is The Podcast is Real with World Gone Geek. I am Jeff, your host, and I'm really glad that we're back together again. we got a great show for you tonight, a really, really exciting guest. I'm, I'm excited uh, to bring him on and talk to him. He's a prolific character actor. He's worked with some of the best in the business, and he's going to share some of those uh, experiences with us tonight. Um, but I can't do this alone, so I'm going to bring in my co-hosts, uh, Aaliyah and Utah. Welcome, guys. Greetings, programs. What do you have this time, Utah? Tell 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 our podcast audience because obviously YouTube can see it. Oh yeah. Well, here we go. This is something I got from San Diego Comic Con a couple of years ago. Ever wonder what ever happened to Samuel Jackson's character from Jurassic Park? Is he stuck in there? On your butts right before we started. <laughs> yes, this is this is in celebration of of us quoting. <laughs> Jurassic Park last week and uh, this week. And yeah, and literally right before we went on to the yeah, open that up again. Let's see it close up. Whatever it did, it did it all. But the keychains off, the computer didn't find the keystroke, so the only way to find it now is to go through the computer's lines of code one by one. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. He's, yeah, he says so, about five or six different lines from the what's movie. What's his name and uh, what's Samuel L. Jackson's name in Jurassic Park? Can't remember. Oh, I don't remember. Anyway, does that, I, I so does that. he lose an arm? Can you take his arm off? In, or That's the beauty of it. Yeah. It, 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 when, <laughs> so, yeah. So it's pretty cool. So you can take his arm off and then you can have the, the an armless funny. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, it's great. And then the arm hilarious. coming out of the locker. Oh, wow. It's fun. All right. Well, before we get started tonight, um, you know, so Aaliyah, you asked me about my, if I'm used to getting bald yet. And uh, no, it's, it's the same every year when I do this. Um, for those of you just tuning in or haven't listened to us before, uh, I shave my head every year for St. Baldrick's. It's to raise money for pediatric cancer research. I'll put the link in the, the show notes if you want to donate. But uh, yeah, it's bald. And then we had a 70 degree, 70 degree day in Cleveland last week. Oh, it's beautiful. Yesterday, my car and the entire yard is covered in snow. So, but just is, his car and his yard, though, it was fine over here. I'm just kidding. We had snow yeah, too. Yeah, it's just over my house. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. your, just your house. Um, yeah. So that's that's the joys of living in Ohio. But I do, uh, I do. It's not. It feels nice because I don't have to get up and like brush it or comb it or do anything. I just get and I, I comb my beard more than I do my hair now. So that's kind of fun. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I've thought about doing the bald. Just, I thought just you were gonna say growing the beard. Well, that no. I, I, I guess I've been trying twenty-seven years, and nothing. I'm like Utah. I, I, you know what? You might, you might, you might have better facial hair than me, Elia. I, 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 honestly, I don't know how to take that. My, my genetics just, my, my genetics just doesn't allow it. Oh my gosh. I vote yes for either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we call out our guests, uh, we got a little bit of business to get done here. Over the weekend, I put out some Twitter posts asking for retweets in order to win some digital movie codes that Paramount Pictures was so kind to give us. Ooh, I hope uh, I win. I hope I win. So, so first, that you're not eligible. So every time we do a contest, I have to remind you that you are not eligible. Um, I keep on forgetting. I do have to tell you a little bit about the movies we're giving away. Then I'll reveal the Twitter winners. Then I'll tell you how you can win some digital codes as well. First up, we got Gasoline Alley with my man, Bruce Willis, and one of his 
27 roles he played last year. Um, I think he's trying to outdo Nicolas Cage and how many movies he can release in the shortest amount of time. It's just, that's uh, true. You know, it, they're both working, and, like the hardest working guys in Hollywood. Right. They're right. Just, and like, I, and, and making I, making movies. I also feel like at this point, he's not just playing the same character in every single one. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Hey, now in gasoline alley, I watched it. Uh, it's a little, it's a little different character for him. Now he's still kind of, you know, you know, uh, well, he's cynical kind of Bruce and cynical a little bit, but yeah. Um, but I don't want to, you know, there's Look, that, more that, to this character than, than you would think. I don't want to give anything away, but anyway, um, here's a scoop. Gasoline Alley starring Devin Sawa, Bruce Willis and Luke Wilson is now available on digital and on demand in this action packed thriller. Jimmy Jane, a reformed ex con is the prime suspect of a savage Hollywood murder with homicide detectives Freeman. That's Bruce and Vargas. <laughs> that's Luke uh, close on his tail. Jimmy is determined to prove his innocence, no matter what it takes Buy a rent gasoline alley and watch it today. Rated R from Paramount pictures. And like I said, I did watch it. And Devin Sawa, do you remember him? Um, remember idle hands. Do you remember that horror movie? That comedy yes. movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's him. He's all grown up and jacked. And just, yeah. what? in fact, I don't, I don't know how old he is, but I remember that movie. I think I was older than him. I feel like he was a kid. You should look it up while I'm talking, Utah, how old he actually is because he, yeah, he looks, uh, he looks God, like he's our age. Cause idle hands I, I came bet out he looks really better than either one of us, <laughs> but I mean, he just looks older than I expected. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, I didn't. Yeah. That was the one with Seth green. Yeah. Came out in what? The late nineties. How old is Devin Sawa? Let's find oh, wait, here out. Here we go. He was born in 78. Okay, so he is younger than us, but not by a whole lot. So that's that's uh, okay. Yeah, by seven years. So very cool. The Twitter Twitter winner of that. So all you had to do was follow us on Twitter. Do that now. The, I'll wait. The Twitter. No. All right. Yeah, the Twitter 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 winner. I mean, now you made me. Now I can't say it. Um, <laughs> the Twitter winner of that. All you had to do was retweet it, and uh, I drew it right before the show started. Uh, Sir Potato Duck. Who, who should have just win because nice. his name is like the coolest Twitter name I've ever seen. That was pretty good. Sir Potato. Sir Potato go, sir. Congratulations. Look out for a DM from us. And uh, um, I'll tell you how you can win a copy in just a second. Now, our next movie giveaway, because they had two for us this week, because they're, we were just getting started. Nice. They, were, they wanted us to, to try to get two in. And this one I'm excited about um, even more. Our next movie giveaway is the latest in the Scream franchise titled Scream. Scream. <laughs> not that scream the new scream we all scream oh scream not scream yeah they, you want some ice cream kind of reviving the franchise yeah. with a new sequel that's actually a revival that's going by the first the original's name it's going to cause all kinds of confusion for people who are going to try to watch this franchise in you know 10 20 years but uh no, it was it was week. actually it was actually pretty good it's it's very much a screen movie so if you if you at all like those the first three i thought were really good the fourth kind of starts to come off the rails a little bit uh this one puts them back on the rails it's very much uh in the spirit of the original um only now they can be really meta about being a revival a requel they call it um and talk about the what's expected in those. And yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. So you can, is it like screamception? Cause you know, the first scream was yeah. kind oh, yeah. of, yeah. Well, se well, the second one was even worse cause they're making the movie. Right. The of the movie. Version, right. Of the movie nope. of the movie. Nope. Yeah. Um, so buyer rent the all new scream movie tonight on digital starring Nev Campbell, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. The whole gang is back, which is cool. The new hit movie nice. is certified fresh on rotten tomatoes and critics are calling it 100% terrifying Buy on digital today and get a killer bonus content, including deleted scenes, cast interviews, and much more available at participating retailers. 
Also rated R from Paramount Pictures. I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, our Twitter cool. winner is Movie Fan One Thousand. Nice. Glad that that's going to a movie fan. Right? Thousand. Uh, yeah, and it's the thousandth, you, you the thousandth ever movie fan. Congrats as well on that achievement. Um, look out for a DM, <laughs> a DM from us, and uh, you're going to get uh, a copy of Scream. So that's awesome. So finally, you watching right now or listening at home in podcast form, you can also win by leaving us a message on our speak pipe. We want to hear from you. You can find that at speakpipe.com slash worldgonegeek. All you have to do is click record and you'll have 90 seconds to leave a message. Feel free to tell us what you love most about being a geek or rant about some pop culture offense you're upset about, whatever. We're listening. Uh, <laughs> but to win a rental copy of Gasoline Alley and a full digital copy of Scream, you need to know the movie quote of the week. Now, this is new. I didn't even tell Utah and Aaliyah about this. Yeah, this I'm like, what this is, is this? Everyone. What's happening? Dun, We're going dun, to dun. use this for future contests. We're going to play a movie quote. Mm. You're going to go to speak pipe. Quote it back at us, and you've got an entry in the draw, which I'm going to draw uh, wait, on wait, Wednesday. Wait, wait, wait. So all they have to do is just quote it back. They don't have to name the movie or no, no, anything. Just quote it back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, absolutely. Just quote it back, and you're going to – you're gonna because technically all they'd have to do is Google it. Fair. You know what I mean? The quote, and you're going to find That's a good movie. point. That's a good point. Um, so I'm not going to – it's not trivia. I just want I just want to know that you're listening to the show and having fun with us. This is awesome. So, and it's totally random – performance doesn't go into it. Yes, well, it does. That's the thing. Um, the or does week, it? This week, since Bruce is one of our movies we're giving away, this is, a, <laughs> this is a quote from Bruce. This is a Bruce Willis quote. Oh, I wonder which it one is. it could be. So that, well, considering that we're, we're not marked explicit, there's one that's not going to There's one that we can't use, right. Um, but yeah, the, uh, this is a quote from Bruce. I'm going to go ahead and um, play it for you real quick here. See if you can guess, Utah. You won't be attending that hat convention in July. So. <laughs> this sounds so corny. Ball, ball. Sorry. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> no. You won't be attending that hat convention in July. All right. So uh, looks like you won't be attending that hat convention in July. And uh, bonus entry, if you do do it in a Bruce Willis style of voice. <laughs> if you so can recreate that. Remember, yeah. I'm a huge Bruce Willis fan, so it, I'm going to be judging <laughs> it based on timber and... No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. Listen um, to you. Okay. So All right. But, uh, yeah. No, seriously. Uh, go to speakpipe.com slash worldgonegeek. Uh, throw that quote back at us. Tell us some other stuff, too, if you want, like what you geek out about, things like that. We'd love it. You got 90 seconds to talk to us. We might use it on the air. So that's pretty cool. Hey, tell um, us what you think about the movie, if you know what that if you know what the quote's from. Yeah. So the, the, well, I'll tell you that, yeah, the movie is Hudson Hawk, which of course, uh, yes. Oh, I love is is widely <laughs> assumed to be his worst movie. I would bet oh, to differ. My, no, no. It's one of his um, best. Easily like, one, of one of his best. It's best. <laughs> but oh, it, totally. It's Are way, you kidding me? It's way better than people give it credit for. It's very goofy. It's very corny. But oh, it's I love it. It's supposed to be. It's tongue in cheek. It's that's its that's its role. It's trying to be tongue in cheek. So, uh, Hudson Hawk is the movie, but you don't have to know that. You just have to know this quote. You won't be attending that hat convention in July. All right. Um, I, I you can probably guess from the scissor-like sound why the man is not going to attend a hat convention. Oh, my gosh. Do you have any ideas? 
I, I now I now have to rewatch the movie. It's just yeah. so great. I mean, the uh, cast what? is awesome His too, right? Danny Aiello. Yeah. So there was a, a decapitation right there. Was a yes. There was a yeah. There was a decapitation. So this was you know keep in mind this is like uh, you know eighties early nineties. They all have these crazy things they say after they kill people. And uh, that was what he said after that one. So there you go. So that's his catchphrase. Yeah. Oh no! Well, well Hudson Hawk is no, filled. Like the whole the whole movie is basically catchphrase. There's phrases. a lot of really goofy, <laughs> goofy things in this movie. Yeah. All right. So go go. Like I said, go to speakpipe.com. The link is in the show notes. Uh, on Wednesday, I'm going to draw three winners. Three winners, and they're they're going to win both movies. So all three people are going to win both. Rental. And Scream is a digital, like, copy. Like, you're owning it. Like, you own it. Yeah. Nice. So, that's you're getting both movies if you win. So, that's kind of fun. So, three people are going to win both movies on Wednesday. Three people are winning both copies of both movies. That is correct. That is correct, sir. That is my little (laughs) man came out there. All right. Today's... (laughs) That was the business. Sorry. Uh, Today's guest is a multi-hyphenate. I love using that word. Right. He's an actor, writer, director, producer, and his first major studio film role was an Academy Award winning Academy Award nominated Alan Parker's feature, The Life of David Gale. Good movie. His most Mm. recent role, you can find him going toe to toe with Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage in the independent feature Willy's Wonderland. Also a good movie. Complete. Not they're completely different movies. Like there's apples. Totally different movies. Kind of movies. So this is the kind of range that our guy is doing movies. That's awesome. Um, you may also recognize him opposite Tommy Lee Jones in the Academy award winning film. No Come country for old men. I'm mm-hmm. falling all over my words now. <laughs> He's so excited. Jackie boy in the groundbreaking movie, Frank Miller's sin city. My boy, Bruce was in that too, by the way. Um, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome to the show, Chris Warner, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, hey, thank you much. I appreciate you guys having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're so glad that you are here. We, um, I've been like just, I, I so as soon as you, um, as soon as I found you to ask and saw that you were in Willie's Wonderland, I was like, I gotta talk to this guy. I gotta know, <laughs> I gotta know all about that. Um, and then because I remember, like, I didn't know until I read that. But then I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. Like he's the one you you were the one with uh, repairing the car, right? Then he left. Yeah, right. dear love. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. ah, there he is. Yeah. Um, this is so. I, I just I don't even know where to start with you because there's so many different uh, amazing movies that and people that you've worked with that I want to ask about. But let's start. Right. Like let's start simple. Um, tell us kind of where you grew up and why how why acting. Like where did this come from for you? Well, I was uh, I was born in Virginia, raised in Texas. So you're probably going to hear a twang to my voice, which I'll never relinquish because it sets me apart. And um, I like that, so to speak. Um, you know, I wasn't a thespian growing up. I wasn't a kid who was in uh, you know high school drama and stuff. I played Santa Claus in the fifth grade and I played Santa Claus in the 12th grade for kind of class projects. But um, I've always loved movies as a kid growing up. I've always enjoyed watching movies, getting lost in them like most of us do. Um, and I was actually going to college to be a physical therapist. And, um, I was watching a movie one weekend and I wish I could remember what it was, but I can't, and that's being honest. I can make up something, but I came out of the movie and I thought, man, I'm disappointed. That can't be that hard. Well, now I know as an actor being professional and to get a job as an actor is a little challenging, but, um, I was working with a friend who's a therapist as well. And we were talking over lunch one day and I told her about this experience and, 
uh, basically she took it as given acting a shot. And I'm like, yeah. And, and a lot of her friends outside of work were actors. So I started hanging out with her, uh, hanging out with him, uh, started going to acting class. This was in Austin, Texas, where I lived before I moved to LA. And, um, you know, the love for it grew every day. Uh, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then I just made the decision that this is the thing I want to do the rest of my life. And I had finally found it. And um, when I drove into uh, drove down I-10 West into L.A. and saw the, the skyline, it's the first time I'd ever been in Los Angeles. And everything I own was literally in a U-Haul uh, with wow. my car behind it. So that's how serious I was about doing this thing. And, of course, as you mentioned earlier, I had some success in Texas. I was in the life of David Gill with Kevin Spacey. I think the last thing I did in Texas before I moved out here was a, a movie of the week opposite Walton Go- or Walton Goggins. So mm. um, and that was, you know, when before he got the shield and other things like that. So, oh, OK, yeah. Um, and that's kind of how things got started. I think I was 28 at the time when I made wow. the big shift, the big change. And uh, and it was a good one, man. It's the only thing I do when I'm on set or, or at a computer writing a screenplay that time literally stands still for me. I don't look at the clock. Mm. I don't worry about what time it is. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it, if you will. So you literally just took everything you own and just went to LA and were you were just, and we hear these kind of stories a lot, but literally like you, you you lived that. So you had no idea whether this is going to work or not. Right. So tell us a little bit about like how, when you got there, like what happened next? Like when did, did you get your first role? Like how did it work for you? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I will I will preface this with a big ugly like me. I'm behind the eight ball already. You know, I, I am this this is not made for Hollywood. It's not. But I don't I don't take that answer lightly. I'm not gonna take no. Um I know what I want to do and when I want to do it, and and it's I'm pretty hard head when it comes to that. So my first year out here was a pretty tough one. Actually, my first three years were out here, but my first year out here was a tough one. And I the way I look at it is um if the first year wasn't going to run me off, if you will, I was good. And then I got, I got through it. I made it. Um, um, it was a tough one, you know, car <laughs> repossession, all kinds of things. I mean, those oh, stories wow. that, you know, Come you on. hear people tell they do happen. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm lucky that I have, uh, a wife who is not only loves me, but is dedicated. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We've been together almost 35 years. Oh, and most wow. women love me by that time. We're still yeah. together. And she wants me to be as you know successful as I do most days. So without her, I don't know if I would have survived that first year. I might have tucked my tail and headed back home <laughs> to Texas. But but I, I did take this. It, it kind of burned me so much. I took it to heart that this is what I was supposed to do. Now, on the other side of this, guys, I've had, I want to say the last count was like 63 regular jobs along my life. I mean, I've been working wow. at times three jobs at one time, weekends. I had been a stockbroker for Charles Schwab at one time. I was going to mm. school early on to be a physical therapist. I sold uh, golf supplies to Golfsmith International over the phone. I had taken donations for the Fraternal Order Police. I mean, I have done all kinds of things. I've done security here. I've walked the red carpet. I've guarded Tom Cruise. You know, I've done a whole wow. bunch of things to live a lot of life. And so doing all those things, I had learned along the way that I definitely didn't want to do those. <laughs> and compared to what I'm doing here, I definitely want to do that. And what's crazy with all the heartache and pain that happens in between these opportunities to work with these folks I've worked with, it's all worth it. I mean, the minute I step on set with Tommy Lee Jones and Joel and Ethan Cohen, it, it buys me another two years if it needs to be, another year, another month, another six months of 
you know, putting up with the, the stuff that you have to put up with. So um, in that sense, I, I encourage people to truly follow their passion. You know, I, I know a lot of a lot of gurus will get out there and tell you that's the craziest thing to say. But I don't know if I'd want to do something for 40 years of my life and be miserable with it. And, yeah, this is a tough ride I'm on. But I tell you what, man, the wins when you bank them, they give you a lot of energy to live on. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, no you doubt. mentioned you mentioned Joel and Ethan Cohen right there. And that was that. I mean, what a I get. love Joel and Ethan Cohen. Like I uh, just since uh, raising Arizona, you know, blood simple, like uh, pretty much everything they've made. I absolutely adore. Oh, brother, where art thou is one of my favorite movies of all time, like mm. all time. Uh, it's on my top 10 list. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want, he, you know, he, he just dropped those names, but I want you to hear some of these other in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way. Some of these other things where you can find uh, Chris and uh, you know, they're, they're big things. Um, so he was in Sin City, which we mentioned earlier after yeah. uh, then Idiocracy. Hey, Luke Wilson is in the movie that I just talked about. Her guest. He's in Gasoline Alley. Alley. And then he's in Idiocracy. So uh, um, it says you were a cop at Costa, Costco. So we'll come back to that. I want to know. <laughs> that about um, criminal that was a, such a funny scene. I just was. <laughs> <laughs> Friday Night Lights, Prison Break. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Uh, machete. It's um, a good one, Machete. You, Ali is like, I don't know what half these are. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And then, and, uh, NCIS Los Angeles, Justified. Uh, mm. Timothy Oliphant is like, I'm really a big fan of him right now. Mm. He's doing some awesome stuff. Um, anyway, yeah. So there's just, I mean, I could keep going, but this is this is a lot of things. Um, of all of those. Um, were there moments where you were on set to do this job and you just kind of felt a little starstruck? Like, were there any moments where, or, 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 I mean, to me, I'm not an actor, but if I was, and I was, and I'm there being directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, I would probably, you know, wet my pants, but (laughs) did you wet your pants and no, I'm kidding. (laughs) You know, what's it like to walk in with some of these legends and work with them? Well, dude, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I can't, that's the only word I can think of. It's, it's, it's ridiculous that you have a dream and the moment that it kind of comes to fruition, um, as an actor, what I've learned through my training is to truly be present. You've mm. probably heard mm. people say that in interviews, but yeah. when you're present in life, you, you tend to make a point of what's happening in the moment. So again, you bank that moment so it doesn't get forgotten. Uh, you know, a lot of times I can think of these things and actually pull up the feelings that I had when it when it occurred. And um, I probably, you know, when I did the, the Life of David Gale with Kevin Spacey, a big moment, and I was probably most nervous because it was the beginning of my career, if you will, um, with the feeling that you were talking about. But after that, and as I train more and as I get around folks and then get into Hollywood itself, rather than being in a regional market, um, I get a sense of of um, of this is where I'm supposed to be, if that makes sense. And it gives me a level of comfort when I step on the set with those guys, wh- whoever it is, where where I don't create the moment so big that I forget it for myself. And I, I want to say that very humbly. I, I'm not, I don't want to put too much like, oh, yeah, I got this. But what what I am is I try to prepare so much in between each each 
a project that I do that when I get there, that I don't, that I'm so present that I don't forget the moment in the moment. And I don't forget the moment once the moment is over. So I actually grow energy from the moments when I'm on stage or that you hear action or lights or, you know, lights, camera action, if you will. When you hear action, man, there's for me, there's something in me that grows. The passion in me grows rather than shrinks. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like to say that it's a combination of the passion and the preparation that I do for the moment. So um, that's really, really how it goes for me. And, you know, you also have to you have to assess each situation and every guy or every every person that you're around when it comes to Academy Award winners and, and leads in movies and stuff. And, and and you kind of learn that along the way with each each movie you're in or each show you're on of, of who's I don't say who's cool and who's not, but there's levels of cool that you you know, that you deal with. I've never dealt with anyone that's uncool, but uh, each person is approachable in a certain way. Um, and some aren't uh, to a point, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't ever feel like the moment is too big for me because I know the work that I've put in to get there. Um, and, and, and like I said earlier, this wasn't supposed to be here. So I know I've definitely put in the work. Nothing. <laughs> I, I've looked high and low to be related to the, to Jack Warner and the boys, but I'm not. So, <laughs> so. Right, that would, uh, that would, uh, maybe, maybe that would make things easier for you, right? Yeah, in the, maybe, in the business. Um, yeah. So who, who among some of the big stars that you have been on set with, did, w- did you enjoy the experience so much that you hope that you get to work with them again? Um, what, one, one director that I love, the director that I love, that's that used me, that's not used me, that's cast me twice is Robert Rodriguez. And Robert mm. is a very, is a, is an artist at heart. There's no doubt to watch Robert from a distance, do what he does is an amazing thing. I remember we shooting suit Sin City. It maybe been uh fifth or sixth day I was on set and I was sitting over there. They were setting up a scene. So I was sitting over at video village and then Robert, uh, the, Robert comes over and he carries his guitar on, on set all the time. And it hangs there at the video village and he grabs it and he, and he's kind of strumming some chords and looking at the ground and walking around and strumming some chords and maybe 30 seconds passes. And then he literally just hangs the guitar back up and walks right back to set. So again, you, you mm-hmm. see this process of an artist in his moment, you know, and me being a fly on the wall, if you will, watching him do what he does. And it was, uh, it was very cool to see things like that. And Robert is definitely, uh, he's definitely an actor's director. When we shot Machete, um, one of the scene setups we were in, um, it, uh, one of the actors in it was having trouble. And I mean, a lot of trouble that it, it pushed the whole day. Oh, wow. And Robert didn't raise his voice once. He didn't get irritated. About every fifth to eight take, he would get up and go talk to the actor and then come back. But you could tell that he he was nurturing the, the moment rather than yeah. getting upset because we were costing time and money. And and it was just so cool to see how he handled the situation rather than seeing how another director and actors in another movie I was in. <laughs> 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 yeah, we won't ask you to name names. We know how that works. We don't want to, that to come back to you. Um, that's awesome because I love Robert Rodriguez as well. I read his book the, the about his like guerrilla filmmaking style. That what was mm-hmm. it? Some the 50, Rebel Without uh, a Yeah, yeah, that was it. Rebel. Um, 
I, cause I loved, I saw El Mariachi, saw Desperado, which is when you mentioned he was carrying a guitar case, I was going to ask you if it was full of guns. Um, but then you <laughs> or, went right yeah. in and said it was a guitar, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, Robert Rodriguez and, and you did both Machete and Sin City. Did, did you hope that at all that you were going to get into the book of Boba Fett? You know, he just directed that whole yeah, series. Yeah. You know, anytime I see Robert doing something, I definitely make it a point. I still I work with my agent in Austin. Oh, yeah. I have for 23 years and I always, you know, hit him up and, and say, Hey man, you know, Robert's doing this, Robert's doing that. Um, can we get in to see him? You know, and, and he does his best to, to see how we can work our way at least to get in front of him because I have worked with him before in the past. So, um, but yeah, unfortunately I didn't get called for, for Boba Fett itself, but I know also <laughs> that, um, um, He's doing Alita here, the second Alita, I guess soon. So, oh, okay. um, but yeah, unfortunately I, I didn't get called in on those, but you, you do your best to keep the relationships open and communicate right. as best you can with five guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's always fun when directors use you again, cause you know, you did something right the first time. So. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. the um, the main reason I asked that is because I'm I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, just absolutely <laughs> died to love Star Wars. Both and so them. that would have been my dream job, right? Trying to get into Star Wars. Is there what is there a franchise or something like that that you're that's like kind of like, oh my gosh, if I could be in that, that would be my dream job. What would that be? Um well, the dream job that I have is I'm a and I was gonna talk to is it Utah uh, about your 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 shields behind you is uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Punisher. Mm. Nice. Um, yeah. And so much so that I've actually, uh, and this will be the first time I share it with the public a little bit. I've, I've created a fan film because I've, I've worked a campaign to be the, to be the Punisher at some point in time, oh, cool. um, whether it be on the next show, they shoot another feature, whatever it may be. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of the Punisher and not only uh, in the comic books, but looking to try to pull him from the page like he is on the page, um, eventually the, I call it the right way, but the most authentic way, if you will. And sure. I feel like in that, in that case, they may, you know, it may have not reached its mark as far as fans are concerned. Um, but yeah, if, if I could be a part of something that exists, uh, it would be not to only be a part of it. I'd actually really like to play Frank Castle. That's mm. awesome. I, that, when I was looking at your website, I think you've got some images from that um, where you're kind of decked out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, those guys. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't know that was like a dream. That's awesome. Yeah, that really sounds cool. fantastic. Because, you know, I'm a, we're diehard Marvel fans here, too. So, <laughs> like, yes. um, yeah, that would yes, uh, I would uh, probably, you know, be a dream job, too. But I don't know what I would do in in the MCU, to be honest, but in, in star Wars, I could at least be, you know, a creature and an the, alien of some sort right? and <laughs> yeah, in, in sure. one of the cantinas or something. Right. Yeah. I would, um, there's, there's always something for everybody in star Wars. Come on. You could be a stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm a little short for a stormtrooper. You're not a little short. For, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I am though. <laughs> I think I might be shorter than Mark Hamill. No, I don't know. How, how tall is Mark Hamill? I don't know, but he's too short to be a stormtrooper. That's right. Well, ahead, he's Aaliyah. a You were getting ready to say something. <laughs> Go ahead, Leah. <laughs> I was going to say, I would just probably be an extra eating somewhere. Just. <laughs> and you can that do that. Be, totally. Yeah. yeah. But, well, they're, you know, you could have those opportunities right here in Cleveland. They're making tons of movies up here in Cleveland now. So that's true. The, in fact, Tom the Holland Russo was brothers, up here. Russo brothers were Cleveland, up here. 
Yeah. Yes. And that's those true. guys are really, you know, in deep with Marvel. So you never know. Maybe mm-hmm. we could get it. Like we could be in a, in a shawarma shop. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it would be fun. Um, cool. <laughs> well, I would, I'm dominating the conversation because I, I, or at least the question. You're just fanboying is really at I this am, point. I am. I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, do you, I, I want to give you guys a chance to jump in if you have anything that's been waiting for me to shut up. And say, oh, geez, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we all have a bunch of questions about how, you know, it's it, what it's like behind the scenes. Right. Like, um, number one, your your short scene in Idiocracy is one that I always laugh at because it's just such a simple thing. Yet it's so hilarious when you sit there and you spray, you just because you're the one that says what? And you just spray, keep yeah. on spraying Luke Wilson. That's <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> was that it, actual? I mean, it wasn't actual pepper spray, but what was in it? What are you actually spraying on? It's it, just know? water. It, yeah, it's water okay. and, and your aerosol can. Is what they did. Because gotcha. I asked too, I mean, I didn't want to spray into something that wasn't supposed to be in in the camp. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but what yeah, was that that was like? that, you know, and, and Mike was meticulous. And Mike is a genius. I mean, uh, all you got to do is just walk through through a mall or a store nowadays, and look at that. He was telling the future. I mean, yeah. it's crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was thinking it come to fruition, but you know, Mike is also he's a um, perfectionist is the wrong word, but when Mike Mike sees something in his head, he works to get it, you know, out out in, in, and on on film. So mm. um, even those small scenes, we worked quite a bit on because there were some things that he saw in his head that um, that he wanted just right, and he wanted that cop to to be an idiot. I mean, he literally <laughs> wanted him to be. As <laughs> as dumb as he possibly could be, and still maintain his job duties, if that makes sense. That's, that's kind of the. Yeah, he didn't tell me that exactly, but that's kind of what he needed to be. Again, even though it was just spraying him and saying what, um, he wanted you to get a sense of of what the world could potentially be if we allowed it to happen the way that movie started. Is yeah. idiots procreating, if you will, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So how long so, did that scene, how long did that scene take? Was like, you know, yeah, was I mean, it multiple takes that you have to go dry off. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we shot that, uh, we shot the, the, uh, establishing where he, where he pulls up and we throw him in the car. We probably shot that 12 times. Um, oh, wow. and then we shot the interior scene. I want to say seven or eight, eight times oh, because wow, there okay. was, because what he wanted to happen too is, you know, make sure I don't, I don't spray over his line. You don't want to get that mm-hmm. happening. And also, getting the line out and where did he want the spray to happen? That was kind of a thing too, is he let him get this much out before you spray him. And then, yeah, wait two or three seconds. So when you hit this, I don't know, I can't remember if it hits this word or this beat and then spray him again. But again, you don't really care when he says the second part because you're just spraying, just literally <laughs> incessantly spraying him to shut up. So That's hilarious. And how long did that take? Was that just like a day? Uh, I think we shot or? that. Yeah, two. I think it took two days. Oh. Yeah, they they, uh, they built a Costco inside of. Uh, oh goodness, I can't remember the name. Uh, it's it's a um, it's a big complex across the the river and in South Austin that they kind oh, of okay. use as a soundstage, if you will. Sure. And, and built the uh, interior of Costco. Wow. But uh, yeah. It, and I think it probably it could have been a day shoot, but it probably took a little while longer because, again, he's he's pretty uh, meticulous on the way he wants things done. So sure. which is cool. I mean, it's I've worked with uh, directors who kind of let you play in the whole sandbox and then directors who, who 
you know, make the sandbox a little smaller because they have a, <laughs> a, obviously a vision. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, Mike's a Mike's a genius, I think. So very cool. Aaliyah, you look like you were going to say something. <laughs> yeah, I have a face. Aaliyah, you, you like, go, <sighs> I get excited because I'm like, I'm okay, like, is this my... You just got to jump turn. in. You got to interrupt us. You got to do it. No. <laughs> I've been working on my assertiveness. <laughs> uh, Good. <laughs> so it's just I'm, us. <laughs> I'm going to keep I interrupting know. you. Just, no, I'm that, go ahead. You did. <laughs> I know. So, but the, uh, it. All right. So... I am curious about the headspace you have to be in. Like when you're acting, like what do you do? Like what is your prep like before you, one, you know, start to say a line? Um, I think of when I was a kid and I'm watching like high school musical. She's like doing her sounds, you know, making sure that her voice is prepared, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, like that type of thing. Do you, what is that? What is that like for you? And I think about roles. I, the reason I'm asking this is because I think about roles that are that take a toll mentally. And so I just think like, or could potentially take a toll mentally. So, you know, what does that look like? That's my question. What does that headspace look like for you? Sure. Well, I'll answer the first question first. Um, yeah, I do have a prep. Uh, I call it for lack of a better way to put it, my wife and I call it my bitty goddess. And those, I learned that term, <laughs> Uh, a long time ago to kind of loosen your lips and, and clear your throat is bitty got a bitty got a need to reverse got a bitty got a bitty bitty got a bitty got a got a bitty got a bitty got a bitty bitty got a got a bitty bitty got a and there's a bunch of other things I do I do I do all the I do all the vowels and all the consonants I do what's called lip trills um, that may be what you're speaking of where you um you kind of and again, I'm kind of going out of scenes and giving you guys some <laughs> some some raw stuff of what crazy actors do over in a mm. corner or in their dressing room or green room beforehand. Uh, another thing that I do prior to doing these kind of exercises is I actually listen to music. I have kind of a playlist of songs that get me uh, in the mind in the in the headspace or the mind space that you were talking about that allows me to get in touch with with kind of the range of my feelings. Um, as, as an actor, I feel like what what you come to see is some probably range or flavor or shade of my pain, because I think most artists is pulled from pain a lot. Mm-hmm. So what I need to do is have access to that whole spectrum. So whenever I'm there, I can call on it instantly. I'm not having to muster it up. I muster it up and kind of do my warm up again, if you will, prior to either doing an audition or going on set and doing the scene, even if I've rehearsed the scene prior. I'm not in that emotional state until I get there. And I really actually don't want to get there a hundred percent until I'm on set shooting that day, because I like or uh, the organic process to be a part of the, the initial or, or the performance that I give when it's being recorded. I don't give it a hundred percent during rehearsal. I might go to 90 or 95, 80, something like that emotionally. But what the music does initially for me is it allows me to get in touch with my spectrum of feelings which as an actor, I see a lot of times uh, we, some of us don't go there. We don't allow that to happen. And it's, I think it's unfortunate because one, you guys are paying $18 or whatever it is now, you know, to see us entertain you. And me as an actor, what I want to do is actually inspire you, move you to the edge of your seat, whether you're watching me on TV or watching me on a big screen to make you go do the thing you want to do. That's what I really want to do is as an entertainer, as an artist is to, 
entertain enough to inspire the folks watching me. But also thinking it from a business standpoint, you're paying to see me. You're paying hard-earned money mm-hmm. to see me. I better give you my A game. And the way mm-hmm. I prepare for that, again, is to use the music to pull up the feelings. And then I run through my gamut of, of exercises, if you will. Um, and then running lines. I mean, actors run lines constantly and constantly um, just so it's it's automatic. It's not necessarily to learn how the line will be said because that's the part I enjoy it being organic, even though I might have two to three options available from rehearsal. Like, yeah, I really like the way I said that, but I've got to see how who I'm running it with when I get there comes out. Then I will pick the version kind of instantly to come out, come back with that. But fortunately we do take, you know, several takes. It gives me that option. And, and being, you know, being a character actor, being a guy who, if you're on a day on set for a day or a couple of days here and there, you don't get the opportunity to rehearse hardly at all. So mm-hmm. that's why you've got to have your options, your two to three options of reaction available. And that sounds weird because that's not a natural organic reaction, but you have to make it organic as possible. And if you can get there and enough time to rehearse with folks like this, the last, uh, when I saw 1883 back in October with Tim McGraw, it was a busy day. I mean, I bet that that day was a $5 million day. There were 600 people on set that day. There were 400 wow. extras. There had to be 200 crew. There were 100 horses, 50 wagons. I mean, it was it was chaos. And Taylor wow. Sheridan's walking around, you know, directing it all uh, <laughs> in a very, you know, uh, beautiful way, if you will, the way I can put it. But when we come over, it's business. Tim comes over. We save everything up. Millions of dollars being spent right now. Guys, we're professionals. We need to get mm-hmm. this down. Met Tim, met Taylor. How y'all got? How you guys doing? Because you know this audition was done over tape. I was cast off tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, we ran. Tim and I ran the lines mm, eight times maybe before we started to shoot, and um, and then before we started, Tim Taylor came over and rewrote the front part a little bit. He goes, hey guys, <laughs> of I course, we need to add a couple <laughs> things. Okay, Tim, you say this. Chris, you say this, and then we'll go. Okay, so we ran that about four times, and. That's where if you don't do the preparation prior, once you get on set, you're going to drop lines. You're going to you know, miss your marks. You're going to not get hired again <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you do that. But but once you're in once you're in your zone, he throws me a line. Cool. You want to sit like this? Taylor? Yeah, do it. And, and the way it works too on set, if, if, a, if a director doesn't come and redirect you, keep doing what you're doing. What you did last take was what you need to keep doing next take. Don't change that because then he will come to speak to you. Or she will mm-hmm. speak to you. But mm-hmm. but yeah, so to answer your first question is uh, there is a process I go through. And it, if you watch me do it, you'd think I was crazy. But most actors have some process of their own that they do to get warmed up for the game, if you will. Um, and, and as an actor, you you have to literally, once you click into the zone, that nothing else exists. You could have 10 million people watching you. And what you're doing is your warmups. You don't it's okay. Watch me do my morals. This is what I do to get ready. Cause um, I learned one thing from one of my coaches, the first coaches ever coach I had when I moved to LA, he said, guys, to to give yourself some confidence when you go into a room and own it, he goes, go into the room, introduce yourself. Thank you guys for the opportunity and hit your mark. He goes, but then inside on the inside guys on the inside. (laughs) Hey, and this is before. So, well, it's right around cell phones. That's how I age myself. But on the inside, you go, Hey guys, I appreciate the opportunity today. For this, you know, for the opportunity, most of the time people have to to pay to see this. But you're lucky; you get to see it for free today. Now pay attention. 
<laughs> and of course, <laughs> if you put that energy out there, you'll see somebody they're gonna look up from their phone or put their pin down or something because they they kind of sense that you're now taking ownership of the room, and mm-hmm. that's part of that's part of actually probably the end part of the process, right before you go into an audition or going into something. Is hey guys, this is my room now. You need to pay attention. And so again, that falls, and I'll wrap it up here. That falls a little bit <laughs> on stepping into, into arrogance. So when when you hear that part, I don't, you know, you you can't worry about what people think of you or your opinion of me is not my business. That if you truly believe that when you say it, there is a certain level of arrogance, almost stepping out of super confidence. You have to go into for that performance, so I can give you a believable performance as the character. Um, and that was just that's just kind of getting part of my process. And and part of the second, the answer to your second question is. Can it mess with your mind, your mindset? It can. It can. I mean, I'm not a Meisner guy per, or I'm not a method guy per se mm-hmm. um, because I believe it is acting. You know, But um, there is a point where you can become the character and then it starts not only messing maybe with you, but, but with the people around you. Mm-hmm. That becomes a concern, too, is how does it start messing with your real life and, yeah. and how it spreads out? And you, you probably read many a story on how it's affected real characters lives. I did read an article one time on Daniel day Lewis that it takes him years to not only get into the character, but get out of the character. And he admits that he's a different person after every performance. Like he becomes a different person because he part of that character becomes who he is. So yeah, I I believe that. Yeah. I need to know because I'm fangirling over here. I am a huge country music fan. And when you said Tim McGraw, my heart just was like. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I ahead. would like to talk about that a little bit. Um, 1883, uh, Taylor uh, um, Sher- Sheridan is like on fire right now. I mean, between right? Yellowstone and 1883. And now yeah. I think it's 1932. They're going yeah, to next. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just that. First of all, I'm, I love Westerns. So, and I know uh, that, you know, you're from Texas and you're, you're in a couple, you know what I mean? Like, but 1883 is one of the best shows I've watched in a long time. I just like adored every minute of it, except, except for, uh, that, that daughter, she, she, I I love her independent spirit. Like I love that, (laughs) but she, she was so mean to her mom and dad who just wanted to protect her and love her. And I'm like, like, you know, they, they let her wear chaps. They let her be a cowboy. They let her shoot and carry a gun. They let her, uh, you know, uh, you know, marry an Indian uh, guy that she met and had for, for like a week. Uh, and, 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 and yeah, they, they were like, are you sure about this? But they let her do it. And yet she still acts like. Like, you know, they've kept her locked in a cage since she was three or something. It's just, I don't know. It's just, that drove me crazy. Cause I, I was like, Tim McGraw and, and, uh, uh, Faith, Faith Evans are they're, like, they're great parents. Like I love them. Those Western parents. Like I love those characters. <laughs> so I was really, I'm a dad. So that's probably why I'm that's probably at, why. at Elsa. And I'm like, no, you, you've got, uh, you've got an attitude girl. You need to to take that down, but she's independent and I love that about it. But anyway, um, back to the story, <laughs> um, the scene that you're describing there, um, it's, you said, like you said, it's massive. Like there's a big, like t- uh, shot coming down over mm-hmm. the, the town. You can see the whole thing. I would love to know some of the behind the scenes, like where, where How? is that? Like, where do you right. shoot, shoot that? Um, 
And then uh, you also got to say one of the, you know, you got like the cool line in the Western, which is if you're going to pull that gun, you better know how to use it or something like that. Right. Like yeah. it's, there's always somebody in the Western that sa- that says that yeah. to the hero, right? <laughs> I love that it. was you, Chris. That was me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the, the, that experience on, on that set. Yeah. Well, I work it backwards actually uh, that line. And also um, I-, I was fortunate enough to, uh, and this was the line that Taylor added. Um, oh. was, uh, I got to inter- introduce the infamous James Dutton, you James Dutton. Cause he doesn't yeah. say I'm James Dutton. I'm the one who actually says his name. He just agreed. Yeah. So I feel fortunate for that. And, um, um, what was say? Oh yeah. And that shot, I mean, it took, uh, it probably took an hour and a half to set that shot up, even though they had shot in the town. So to start at the beginning, they shot that in the fourth words, fourth word, fourth word stockyards in Texas. And there's an older part. I think it's more the, the west side of the stock. I was yard. just there they a couple of weeks a, ago. <laughs> yeah. They took, they could took about a three block radius and they covered it all in dirt. And then they wow. took a six foot fence and they put it all the way around it. And they put the green stuff up so you can see. And they had sure. actually four uh, yeah. police, not, not regular security, the police officers at every entrance. Cause they didn't want anybody taking any pictures or anything. Any, they didn't want any kind of leak happening, but they put dirt all over the, the, the actual uh, asphalt street. And then they kind of decorated the, uh, the older buildings. They were old already, but they decorated them into the 1883 look. And, and yeah, we were right there in that, that, uh, that intersection. Um, And we had, well, they had three cameras on us shooting at the same time at ground level. They had the camera on the top of the building that did the, the, um, the wide shot of the master when he rode into town. And, and it was crazy. I mean, they, they had 400 extras, and the scene that they, they shot the uh, the racehorse scene right after us lining those extras up side by side. But uh, it was it was a massive day. It's the biggest day I've ever been a part of. Wow. Um, I haven't been on a Marvel studio movie yet, but but <laughs> 600 Maybe. people running around still still understanding what's happening and, and everything happening as best they can. And, and to pull it off fairly seamlessly. I mean, the day was pretty seamless. We clipped along pretty good, but. Um, yet to be around the hustle, the, the organized chaos, the hustle and bustle that it was, and everybody hit their mark. Everybody went where they're supposed to. No one got hurt by a horse and got run over by, you know, a wagon or anything like that. Um, there was gunfire that day. We, you know, he 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 shot the guy that stole his wallet. Yeah. Um, Literally, right after you tell him if you're going to draw that pistol. Yeah. You better know how to use it. He uses a shotgun and shoots a pickpot, pickpocket in the back. So I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, it was great." Yeah. So, uh, so it was, you know, it's it's cool like that day to see. And then, and I'm going out off off uh, subject here, but I was going to say it's about Sin City. To be a part of Sin City, to see to to be in it for as long as I was, and then to see what Robert did with that was totally amazing. Even back back then, I know it was kind of a groundbreaking film, but to yeah. it's really cool to see the, the finished product after post um, and to see how the chaos was wrangled and then turn into a, a beautiful story, if you will. So um, I hope that answered your question. I don't know if it did or not. Yeah, no. That, so, but Sin City, that was like mostly like green screen and stuff like that, right? Like a green screen. Yeah. Man, I mean, I mean, other than the, the walls, the practical walls to, uh, to her, her, um, her apartment, like the, the scene with Jackie, when we're riding next to um, Alexis uh, Bedell, so right. here's the scene. It's a it's a completely green soundstage, green floor. We the car is practical, and we're practical, of course. And then they took an old they took a uh, 
uh, a treadmill. They took everything off of it. And there was a, a grip laying next to it, hand cranking the the belt as she, so she walked could walk. Next to, she walked next to the car. Wow. Uh, that, that was it. Everything else, all the atmosphere, all the external atmosphere was all uh, C, uh, CGI green screen. Um, uh, me, Miko on top of the roof. She was walking on two two by fours stacked on top of each other, painted green. That was wow. that was top edge of the roof. And then he put all that in afterward. Uh, when we were driving, they had a guy holding a kind of a three or a two inch round uh, air conditioning uh, tube, kind of waving it at us and waving back as if it was the wind blowing oh, through the our wind. Air. And then yeah. the other guy, there was another guy with a with a, a light on the other side, uh, you know, waving it as the cars passed. So. Um, and then he darkened the, you know, darkened the screen to make it look nighttime. And, um, no, it's amazing. You know, you see them do that and you're like, man, it's, it kind of looks like an indie movie. (laughs) (laughs) You're having these guys do this, but the finished product was just ridiculously cool. I mean, it was, it was wow. It's, it's beautifully done really. I mean, I'm a big fan of the, of Frank Miller's art and his style and that, uh, that captured it. Oh my gosh! It, yeah. you could yeah. you could almost like pause the movie yeah. pretty much and you would get anywhere. A com- comic book it's, panel. It's an art. It's an art piece. Like yeah. it's just a beautiful mm-hmm. composition. It was just yeah, and and to to think that like so much of it was put it was in, in post, after, which I fit, which I feel kind of is 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 that's kind of the norm now, right? Based on art, though. But yeah. you know what I mean. And so they had the actors in there and the artists. You know what I mean? Made it look the way it was supposed to look. I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, I believe he's he's the only guy, the first guy that really made made uh, a comic book look like a, a live comic. I mean, yeah. and mm-hmm. well, I guess you, you have you guys heard the story or the basic story as to how he convinced Frank to to let him do it because Frank wasn't going to let anybody do do Sin City or anything else for that matter. And Robert actually took his own money and shot the. It was, I think, the the, the top of the um, the building scene where Jamie King and Hartnett are on top of and they kiss. Well, yeah. He shot all that and then he flew Frank down to Texas to watch it. Oh, he was, let, let me wow. do that. He just spent his money. He was, let me, let me prove I will take care of your story. And as soon as Frank saw it, he goes, okay, buddy, yeah. you, you accomplished what no one else could, uh, who actually again made the pages come to life. And as far as I know, this may be a urban legend, but as far as I know, Robert used basically the, the graphic novel as his, um, um, like storyboard, yeah, storyboard like a yeah. storyboard. So, yeah. Well, so it shows. It's, it's almost shot for shot. Yeah, it so, shows. Wow. I mean, you can take. I, I, you definitely recognize panels from the graphic novel mm-hmm. on the big screen. Like, yes, that was there, and that was there. Yeah. Um, so the only other movie I've seen do it that three hundred is three hundred. Yeah, which, by the way, is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, it's uh, really good. <laughs> yeah, three hundred was. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. It was just incredibly, incredibly yeah. well done. Yeah. All around. So uh, we, I don't want to keep you here forever. I could, but <laughs> the, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other movies. I want to get into Willie's Wonderland a little bit because uh, that's one of the most, more, most recent like films that you worked on. And uh, Nick Cage. With Nicolas Cage, who <laughs> I just, I, I love Nicolas Cage to death. Like this guy is so awesome. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, he makes some interesting choices in some of the movies that he made. But if you watch some of these, some of the ones that he's just done, he's 
he's really one of, he is a really a national treasure. <laughs> See what I did there? He's an, <laughs> oh, he's an act, of an actor. I'm not kidding. Like he's really is very, very talented. And people kind of have turned the fact that he makes all these movies, like so many, uh, yeah. that they've turned it into a joke, but he, he takes them seriously. He's not phoning it in. He goes in there and he does his job. He's like, and I loved his character in Willie's Wonderland. So for those of you who haven't, even heard of this or seen it or whatever. Um, there's a video game called F five nights at Freddy's. That's similar to this. And my kids yes. played that game. So when they, when I was telling them about this movie, I saw they're like, Hey, that's like this game that I that's, play. I'm like, I that's said, you better not be playing a game that looks like this <laughs> because uh, it's very, it's a horror movie. It's, it's, you know, it's scary. It's violent. Um, and Nicholas Cage, does he have like maybe three lines in the whole movie? I don't know, but he doesn't, he doesn't talk almost through the whole movie, but he, but everything is in his facial expressions and how he carries himself. It's which right. is, which again, I find to be fascinating. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experience uh, making Willie's or the movie, uh, explain what the movie is because people don't understand the plot maybe, but, and then tell us about your experience. Sure. Yeah. Well, Willie's Wonderland. Uh, I know that it has gotten quite the, uh, Quite a few references to to Five Nights, um, but basically, it's a small town that has this uh, knockoff Chuck E. Cheese, if you will. Uh, it's a it's a playland for kids that has the that have these evil animatronics who well, they're animatronics who end up becoming possessed and then killing people and eating them is basically uh -huh. what happens. So the leaders of the town get together. The one of the businessmen who owns Willie's, uh, the sheriff, get together, and then Jed, who's kind of your local. Uh, mechanic tow truck driver guy and the sheriff pleads with him like look Willie if you don't kill any more townspeople we'll keep you fed and so the the trick comes as people drive by on this highway by this small town this group of three figure out ways to um, incapacitate them in their vehicles and they say look there's no um, there's no we don't take cash and no credit card you don't have cash we don't take credit cards, but you can work it off. And so they end up putting them in Willie's for the night to clean it up. And then they lock the doors <laughs> behind them and Willie and the boys get fed, uh, if you will, until they meet the janitor who actually doesn't say a single line in the movie. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and, and you, uh, and you learn, come to learn and come to become a fan as he meticulously does his job of cleaning Willie's and killing animatronics um, that he does it in an only a way Nicholas Cage can do it. You're right. I don't. I don't know if I don't even know if Johnny as as not weird as as eclectic as Johnny Depp is. Maybe he could have pulled that off, but I, I don't think so. I mean, Nicholas yeah. Cage is it's like the only dude who could have pulled this off the way it was pulled off. I mean, I think one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is is the pinball machine where he's dancing. I mean that. Uh, that's that's Nicolas Cage in a nutshell right there. It's just, uh, is, yeah. is that something that he uh, like improvised? Or? Did he improvise yeah, that? That, that, that was all him. Yeah. That was oh, all wow. Him. Yeah. So uh, that wasn't in the script. He's dancing at the pinball. I think he just he just had a moment where he's like, hey, I think he's starting to get into his groove and he's starting the night's going on and he's going to get his Camaro back and I'll be done with this and everything will be clean. Because, you know, you see, he, he's meticulous about what he does, you know, Wiping the edge of the the uh, the countertops there and stuff like that, yeah. So he he when he commits to something, he commits to something, and uh, whatever came up along the way, 
he figured, well, I got to deal with it and I'll get back to cleaning. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and they told him how, how many break or how often he could take a break and oh, have yeah. the, have a pop and, and, and like clockwork. He, th- those are some of my funniest scenes. Like when, I, like he's doing stuff and all of a sudden he's back in there taking his little break, just totally, you know, <laughs> he just totally murdered a machine. just like, you know, five seconds ago. And he's just like, break time. unfazed by what just happened. Yeah. 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 yeah changes his shirt. Cleans his face, gets right back <laughs> yeah. to it, right? <laughs> yeah, he goes back to cleaning. Yeah. You you get to play the mechanic who who is gonna fix it, gonna fix the car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that ends up keeping him. Uh, tell me a little bit about like how you got that role. Like, what where did, did you audition for that? Mm-hmm. I did. You know, uh, I, I wasn't able to find that. That connection to Jack Warner, the boys, as I told you guys earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but one of my good buddies who, who, uh, his name is Jeremy Davis. He was a producer on the movie. Uh, he and I were in a film called Seal, Seal Team Six about 12 years ago. He was the lead actor in that movie. And so we've known each other about 12 years. And then he's, uh, he's done some more producing, uh, over the years. And this, he got this script and started to work on it, produce it, got, got the money together. And then, uh, it was time to start casting. And he's like, hmm. I think Chris could play Jed Love. And so he gave me, he texted me one day and he said, Hey man, um, you, would you be willing to audition for this role? And I'm like, come on, man, there's a bear mess in the woods. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he sent me, he sent me the script and the sides and I'm like, sure. And, uh, he told me three things that needed to happen with this character. He was country as a turnip green. He, country he was greasy. He was greasy and he was, um, and he, and he he had a meat stick. That was his thing, you know. A meat stick. Okay, so I took those as anchors, and I got my wardrobe together or whatever, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, hmm, something's missing. I said, I'm not dirty. I'm not dirty. So I took some uh, black uh, shoe polish, and I was I was pretty thorough with it, or on my face and hair and, and clothes and everything. And I, I kind of put, put it away, washed my hands, and I looked up in the mirror, and literally, I felt Jed Love spirit wow. coming to my body. <laughs> like, there he is, man. There he is. And so, uh, you know, I started to come up with this voice and uh, got a meat stick and, <laughs> and uh, you know, did the audition for him, sent it to him. And then he and the director and another producer were like, there he is. So That's uh, him. So, yeah. And, and you know, e- even with that, you know, in Hollywood, you got friends who are producers, but you still have to, you know, you're still having to. To audition and stuff. And I would tell any actor, whatever, be humble in the the moment, you know, you're given the opportunity to do whatever you need to do to take advantage of the opportunity. And, uh, and that might be the most authentic audition I ever had. And probably uh, arguably 2000 auditions I've done in my whole career. So. Mm. And what was it like working with, with Nicolas Cage? Oh, Nicolas Cage is the only way I can, he, he is a little reserved, but he's a sweetheart. If that makes sense. He's, He's not, he's unassuming. He's not cocky or arrogant or he's not a, but he, I think people forget too. He won an Academy Award uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a while back. So uh, he's not, he's not that dude. He's very unassuming. He, you know, he's, I mean, the simple things on time, he's cordial. He's, he's uh, complimentary, you know, what that, the, the scene. Um, so when I start with him, I do the scene in the truck where we're driving and I'm just rambling about all kinds of bull stuff. And he's, uh, and at, we probably did that t- about six takes driving up and down that road and me doing that rant for about six or seven times, you know, to hear it 
it probably gets old after a while. And we got done. I said, Hey, you know, Nick, appreciate you. I appreciate your energy, you know, just being there, accepting that. And, uh, he goes, no, man, that's some good stuff. He goes, that, that thing at the end there with the whole off the cliff thing, that was, that was all improv or improvised. I said, yeah, actually the whole thing was improvised, man. Uh, I'm just trying to remember everything I said. So he goes, no, good stuff, man. good stuff. So, uh, you know, nice. when the Academy Award winner gives you compliments, you, you sure. get in your back mm-hmm. pocket and you, you bank the win and you yeah. move on to the next uh, setup. So it was, um, it was good times. I mean, what's fun about that character is, is Kevin Lewis, the director, he kind of allowed me, I mentioned earlier, he allowed Jed to play in the whole sandbox. He really didn't, he, he redirected me once or twice in the whole movie, but generally he was happy with the character that I brought and the, the nuances and, you know, the, the meat stick was used properly. It was a lot of times actors <laughs> can get lost in the, prop, the stick yeah. or the cane or whatever. And I tried not to overuse that if I could, or if I was speaking with it in my mouth, sometimes it's hard to hear when somebody has gum or something in their mouth and, you know, just just little things like that, um, giving the character character, if you will, but also letting the storyteller, who's the, the director, get get what they need out of the character for the story. So it was fun. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Lot of I fun. think we have the tagline for this episode, Jeff. The meat stick was used <laughs> properly. <laughs> That's the quote. I, I think. Who's watching? I don't know who our viewer is right now. Matt Shigarek was in our uh, chat earlier, and I'm sure he would appreciate that. I one. think. I think that's um, it. I can't. I don't think we can beat that. <laughs> now we've talked a lot about acting and how you kind of got into that, but I know that you are also uh, you. You have a couple of screenplays that you've been working on, right? I do. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've got, uh, a few of them. I got a pilot for a, a TV series that I've written. Uh, I've got, uh, three or four features I've been pitching to do execs. That's kind of with COVID happening. Obviously mm. everything shut down on, online. So I actually pivoted and started to really focus. I took a few of my focus on my writing. I took a few of my old uh, features off the bookshelf, dusted them off. Uh, did, did a couple of rewrite polishes and I actually just wrote a couple new screenplays over the last uh, 12 months. One, is a is an adult themed Christmas movie that uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of Die Hard. I believe it is a Christmas movie. That's what uh, I watch every year. So yes. when, uh, Chris is my favorite guest we've ever had. Chris is a super <laughs> guest of the super friend of the show. <laughs> and uh, and Janky is the name of the of the the screenplay. And I would want you to watch you um, watch Die Hard. Take a break. Go get you another drink or whatever you need to do. And then come on back and watch Janky because. <laughs> It is a heck of a good time. Before I wrote the screenplay, I asked two questions. One, what does Santa Claus do the other 364 days a year? And no, he doesn't stay in the North Pole. He becomes Malibu Santa, if you will. And that's a whole other thing nice. right there. And the other thing is, does he do it by himself? And the answer is hell no, he does not. His brother-in-law, the black sheep of the family, Janky Claus, Janky is the one who really handled the North Pole operations. And in this, um, Santa ends up with uh, body dysmorphic disorder because he can't oh, no. take all the criticism over social media. And Janky ends up uh, having a pretty much safe Christmas. And uh, it's it's a, a romping, a, a raucous good time. Which I don't, maybe those aren't the words I need to use, but it is. <laughs> so so we're, we're, we're saying that it's like Fred Claus meets Bad Santa with sprinkles of The Hangover. Nice. Okay. All so right. Okay. It's definitely adult fair. It it would yeah. probably be rated R. Or definitely R, rated R. PG thirteen. Yeah. I'd probably prefer R if I could, 
Um, okay. It's not four quadrants, that's for sure. It wouldn't be for the kids. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those movies when I pitch, I hope that the executive, when I clarify with them at the end is, did you have a good time with the pitch? You know, could you see the movie? Could you laugh out loud? You know, and it's I've, I've made several passes at the movie. And there's sometimes with your own stuff, you know, you you see it, you read it, you write it. But I, I barely laugh on some of the stuff I wrote because it's just, <laughs> just damn funny. I mean, that's awesome. And, um, and it actually is a step away from what I normally write. I, I normally write gritty kind of one man army against the world, against all odds. In the you know, he's in the muck fighting for justice via revenge, usually kind of mm-hmm. paying homage to the Rambos and the. The Don, the John McClane's of the world, the Charles Bronson's, the well, and you say you like the Punisher, huh? Hmm. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, the Frank Castles of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, and so that that's uh, that's what I normally the, the the janky character is a little lighter version of 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 badass, if you will. But I tend to write about badasses of the world and uh, <laughs> what they do to try to save it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. When when you're writing something like that, do you do you have in kind of picture in your mind. So this is a two part question picture. Are you picturing in your mind a specific actor sometimes or, or imagining them delivering the lines? And do you, do you, do you see a role for yourself when you're writing or do you write a role specifically for yourself when you're writing? Sure. I mean, most of the movies I write, actually the lead character is just kind of a vehicle for myself, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand that, you know, who I am and, and where I fall in the place of things, but, with that said, I do think of it, an actor comp, somebody who could play the role. Uh, and then when I pitch, I do that. A lot, a lot of writers don't add, add what's called an actor comp um, to, the, to the mix, but I do because I want to paint the picture thoroughly. So I, when, I, when I pitch, let's say Janky, I think of, I mean, from the beginning, Jason Momoa would play Janky. And then his <laughs> brother-in-law, initially it was, was going to be The Rock, but The Rock just got a new adult-themed Christmas movie, and he's not going to do another in his whole career, so... Uh, the second quote <laughs> there was Vin Diesel. I'm like, wait a minute. Who did I just see with Jason Moe who had ridiculous chemistry as his brother? Dave Batista. So mm. Dave Batista would play Santa Claus in this case. So if I could get Jason oh Moe and Dave Batista playing Janky and Santa Claus and like Mila Kunis playing uh, Jason's little sister, Ella Claus, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 uh, the wife of Chris, you know, Chris Kringle or Santa Claus. Those are the three people I picked while I was writing this. So when I pitch it, that's the picture that I paint for them is Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista and Mila Kunis are in this new Christmas movie. We're going to spend $150 million to make and everybody will love it. Why? Because just watch, just watch the last fight scene with Jason and Dave and C. I mean, yeah. even though the fight scene in the gritty show, these guys have great chemistry. I mean, yeah, true. you believe they were brothers who truly loved each other, who didn't want to fight to the death, but that's kind fight of fight to the right. death. Yeah. Oh no. So that is a sh- that's in my watch list. I really want to watch that show. I've I've been going through like all the Apple TV stuff, um, and there's so many good shows on Apple TV. Like it's kind of crazy. Know. Yeah. Like it's not you know what I mean because you you know if you're not if you don't live in that Apple world like you know with yeah. Mac and stuff you might not have it. Like a lot of people just didn't go out and get it. Netflix and Hulu that's the one people think of. But there are some genius shows on Apple TV right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's on my list to watch uh, because, well, one, I, I just think it's a fascinating um, premise. Premise. Yeah. So mm. cool. Such yeah, an interesting was, show. 
it was it was a, it's a great show. I mean, yeah, the premise is ridiculous. I mean, I love post post apocalyptic movies, no matter if it's no matter what it's how it's put out there into the badlands, you know, see, I just love people's interpretation of what would happen if the world ended and people still live. What how would they live life? What would they do? And people are, you know, some writers are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing with their interpretation of what they think would happen. So, and sees yeah. another one. That's a whole world goes blind. Wow. That's, yeah, that's something. <laughs> well, you've got you got a little praise from uh, one of our audience members, David McMasters says, oh, lost yeah. your talent. says somebody, I don't that know. Would, know but... David. Yeah. So he must awesome. be, appreciate you brother. <laughs> Very cool. cool. Well, we are coming kind of coming up on time. I, I like I said, I would keep going. Um, but h- how many years do you think it'll be until you are in a movie with Bruce Willis? Because that's all. I, that's what I really want to know. <laughs> that's, that's the important thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have um, any desire to? Because because I I've heard I've heard rumors that he's kind of standoffish and maybe you know I, I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, so that's not, but I love the man. I just think he's the greatest. I love all his movies and whatnot. And uh, I hope, so if he is standoffish, I hope I never meet him. (laughs) (laughs) You don't, you don't want that image to be crushed. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if they did, if there was a new diehard movie, would you, maybe we could get you in that. What do you Dude, I love the work with Bruce Willis, man. I mean, you know what? Everybody has the, I call it their process. I call it their process. You know, people ask me how I was working with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. I use the words professional and, um, and stoic. Those are the words I use. Some people might not look at it that way. You know, he has a process. He's the lead in this movie. He's a star. He has his process. If, if he doesn't want to be engaged, he doesn't want to be engaged or, sure. you know, uh, if he wants to engage you, you have to respect that, you know? And so, um, you know, I haven't. I've I've heard rumors of, of Bruce as well. <laughs> no, they they put it in movies and you know right. portrayed him that way. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love Bruce. I've loved Bruce Willis, you know, since I was a kid, watching him again in Die Hard and all those kind of things. So it'd be cool to do a movie with Bruce Willis. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I see. I, I see it. him playing a, a disgruntled cop in say a Punisher uh, movie with you you and Frank Castle. I feel like yeah. I feel yeah, like right. we need to manifest that. I yeah, don't know. I see, who, what's that? Uh, I was to say, I see you as like sons of anarchy type of yeah. type of vibe. I don't know why. Just like, <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because one of the images I was that I got from your website, I was trying to make our mm-hmm. graphic for this week, and uh, it, it, you're wearing like a, a biker uh, vest and stuff, oh, yeah. and yeah. that's that was the original image that I started to use, and then I replaced it with the the cowboy hat. I felt like that one kind of fit. Uh, the personality, which was kind of cool. Well, it's hard to put a finger on me. I know. I know what I know what I look like. And then when I open my mouth, it's a whole other story. It's like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's it's almost like the the problems Vin Diesel had when he started, you know, he's like, well, where do we put you? What are you? What are you this? Are you that? I'm like, all I can be is entertaining. That's all I can be, man. And I I would hope I, I am that to most people, you know, when I, when I, when I am on screen, whether it's the big or small screen and, uh, and have fun doing it. Um, and I'm a guy that also, I embrace those, the stereotypes, if you will, people, actors don't want that or, but you got to learn your path. You have to, one thing I've learned studying the business of acting is how, how the audience perceives you. You guys see me as something you, you saw me as, um, Ali, you saw me, I see you sons of anarchy, you know, I put a cowboy hat on me. You might see me as 
you know, Rip's brother on Yellowstone. I've yep. been told that yep. before too. Definitely you are, you're related to Rip somehow. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> Especially with the voice. And and that's cool. I understand that, that that's my lane and I will drive it till the ends of the earth because we as entertainers have to, we have to know to, to, to satisfy our audience. Um, you guys are expecting something from what you see, hear and feel. And if we disrespect that as artists, we won't be working much. I mean, we really won't be. Yeah, so, right, that's fair. So we, uh, and you know, a lot of us as actors want to play a tree on the moon. I get that. Look, <laughs> look, I'm sure I'm, I got you. But sometimes that, you know, we have to, we have to look at commercial versus what we just want to do as artists. You know, I, I, I'll say this real quick. And I know you guys need to wrap it up, but uh, they interviewed Paul Newman when Paul Newman was Paul Newman. Right. Mm-hmm. And they asked him, what, do, what makes Paul Newman, Paul Newman? He goes, I do two for God and one for me. They're like, what? He goes, I make two movies that you see me as, right? Paul Newman, the, you know, the slick, handsome guy who drives race cars or whatever. And then I go do the the tree on the moon thing. And by the time the tree on the moon thing comes back out, I'm back on set driving race cars, you know? So I've built enough um, leverage with the things you see me as, and now I can go be some of that artist that some people don't see me as. And then I kind of, Mm-hmm. kind of play back and forth. So, but if you don't build that thing that, that builds the leverage, you, you won't be doing much, much professional commercial art at least. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I definitely embrace what you, what you guys see me as. And not only that, but what, what I can entertain you as. I mean, I love playing Jed Love. And if you like, yeah, that dude was funny. <laughs> hey, it was fun to do. It's <laughs> a great character. So, um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the future, kind of like uh, what's next for you. I did, I did, my wife and I have just been, we have like all of the streaming stuff. So we, we've just been binging American Auto on Peacock. Like we yeah. just have been watching two or three episodes at a time and coming back. And I did a double take the other day hey, and scary. had to go to IMDb right away. I'm like, that kind of looks like the guy we're going to interview in like a week. <laughs> and there and, he is. Uh, and it was you there. Uh, you. you know, that was pretty cool. Um, so beside, obviously that's, that's uh, when I went to IMDb, that was your most recent IMDb entry. Um, is there anything upcoming that you want to talk about or that you can talk about? Um, what's, what are your plans for what's next for Chris Warner? Well, um, nothing as of yet of, uh, as far as anything that's out there coming my way, but I am, I do spend a lot of time as a writer and a producer uh, on my own stuff. And I I have, I have a short film called Bisbee based on the, the, the pilot that I uh, I've written as a show. So that, that I'm working on, I'm on the ends of working on that and releasing it, getting out to some festivals. Um, And I've got a big, big project that literally just came to me last night that I'm thinking about doing that. I'm going to keep under wraps, but it's more of a, uh, uh, it, it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be more, let's say reality based. And I hate to say that word because of what that brings to the mm-hmm. table based right, right, on right. the history of reality sure. television. Sure. Uh, but just having dinner with my wife last night, uh, this ridiculous idea came up and it's ridiculous in more ways than one. Uh, but talking about, um, Again, what we're talking, just talking about, about perception of about how people see you, how your audience sees you, how your fan base sees you, whatever you want to call it. It will definitely uh, cause a paradigm shift in that in a good way. I would, I hope, but it's still in its infancy stages, but um, 
Yeah, it's I know I know I'm not telling you guys anything. But it, it would, <laughs> okay. Telling you something without telling you something, but right. so it would definitely be something that would be jaw dropping, but you wouldn't want to not watch it. Like you'd be like, "Holy s, what am I? Wow, that is a swing for the seats, Chris." I hope right. I hope the world sees that it's a swing for the seats. Now okay. it could be something that is a punch in the face too. But <laughs> unfortunately, you you can't oh, what did I read I read a quote today. Um oh goodness, um I forgot it. Something about if you don't take the risk, you lose the opportunity. Right. You won't know it's a punch in the yeah. face unless you try. Exactly. So right. And I, I'm, I'm the guy that can fart in a room of 300 and get everybody to laugh. So I'm not really worried about <laughs> falling on my face. And, you know, man, I've been made fun of and told no so many times. Okay. I mean, sure. <laughs> next, I don't, I don't know what else you got for me. I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's, it's kind of a paradigm shifting opportunity for me that I'm working on myself creating. Uh, so it'd be something I would make and then look to, to, to share it with the world. However I would distribute it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, right. looking forward to digging in on that one. So. All right. Well, if people want to, you know, find out what that is, they would, uh, uh, they can go to Chris's website, thechriswarner.com, thechriswarner.com, which is Correct. Uh, very, uh, he's also on social media as the Chris Warner or Warner Inc. So you can check those out, follow him. And then when, when you are ready to drop it, that's probably where we'll, we'll hear about it first, I would imagine, right? Somewhere you'll put some information out there for. We should have you back. Yeah. Yes, sir. And then when you do, yeah, you got to come back because we want to <laughs> yes. talk about it. Yeah, so. absolutely. It will be uh, it will be something to talk about. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Oh, the suspense. I know, right? <laughs> well, again, special thanks uh, to you, uh, Chris, for spending time with us tonight. I can't tell yeah. you how much we appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I literally, you know, we don't, we don't really have a time limit. Like, we'll keep talking forever. But I do <laughs> I do want to respect <laughs> your time and, and my family's as well. So we're going to uh, wrap it up here. But thanks again for being here. Uh, I do hope you'll come back again when, you're, when you've got another project. Absolutely. Jeff, Aaliyah, Utah, I appreciate your time, guys, and having me on. It was great. Great time. All right. That was fantastic. So uh, thanks to Chris. Thanks to Utah and Aaliyah for being here with me again. We appreciate it. I'm waving. It. Yeah, I we're waving. waving. <laughs> next week Next week on the show, we've got Joe Stillman. Uh, he is going to be here. His credits include Shrek, for which he was Oscar nominated. He's a writer, a screenwriter. He won the BAFTA for Shrek as well. And then Shrek 2, he wrote for King of the Hill, The Adventures of Pete yes. and Pete. Remember that? Oh yeah, yes. Uh, Davis and Butthead. Uh, he's worked with Mike Judge too. So there you there go. You go. Two two weeks in a row, we've got guys who worked with. We Mike have Judge. a Mike Judge connection. Um, and now he's transitioned to writing his first novel, "The Man Who Came and Went." So he's going to come on the show and talk about that and his career and all the fun things, all all things Shrek. I'm sure Aaliyah will be asking about because she's our big. Shrek fan. She's the I'm big a child Shrek fan. at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to talk to him. That's next week, 7 p.m. right here on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook. Uh, maybe we'll do it on Twitter. I mean, we could, we literally could broadcast wherever we wanted to, but I don't want to spread the audience too thin. Um, make sure you come back. We'd love to see you. Um, <laughs> 
don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tickety Talk, YouTube, and Twitch. Tickety at Talk. Gone Geek. Uh-uh. Gone Geek. Pretty much wherever you socialize on the socials. So follow and become a citizen of the World Gone Geek, where the geek shall inherit the earth. We'll see you next. We'll see you next geek. Next, week. next yeah. geek. Wait. Oh, same yeah, geek, geek time. Geek in there. Same geek channel. That's right. See you guys. Thanks for coming. The podcast is real. Is a World Gone Geek production.